This is the Courtesy versus Carter podcast, hosted by me, Caroline Lancaster, with my daddy, Lee. Courtesy versus Carter, Chapter 5, Onward to Atlanta. When December began with a couple of rallies and some big announcements, the USDA Secretary Robert Berglin announced a meeting that would be held with farmers on December 15th in Ashburn and Millen. D.W. Brooks was the president of the agribusiness giant Goldkiss, based in Atlanta, also made the news with a statement about the potential strike that drew fire from the farmers. There's no way Goldkiss can strike. He would be subject to all sorts of suits. Whatever right they want to exercise, we will support them. His comments were made at the co-op's meeting in Atlanta. Tractor caves were springing up all over the farming country in Georgia in the first weekend in December. You had one in Tifton, Blakely, Cumming, and Waynesboro. Nowadays, you'd be kind of hard-pressed to find a lot of row crops going on around Forsyth County. But during this period of time, it was still a huge farming community up there before Georgia Highway 400 cut through the middle of that uh, good farming country in the years to come. But there was a lot of farmland up there, a lot of crops being grown. The tractorcade over in Tifton had about 400 tractors. They moved through downtown and stopped and had a rally in front of one of the banks. The uh, group over in Waynesboro had about 400 over there. But the biggest rally was in Blakely, where they had about 500 tractors. The main speaker at the rally was Gerald Richardson. And he and his family farmed close to the Kerseys during this period of time around Elko and Henderson. During his speech, he was highly critical of the politicians, blaming them for the farmer's current condition. Our elected officials have let us down. Just as soon as we send them to Washington, they turn against us. And he was talking about what's been called Potomac fever, when you cross the Potomac River into Washington your mind goes blank. So everything you promised to do when you were running for something and then you get over there into town, what was it that they said? You know, I can't remember. Anyway, on Sunday, a hundred tractors circled a courthouse in Cumming and the farmers there held a vote whether or not to join the massive tractorcade being planned for the next week headed to Atlanta. And it received a unanimous yes from the crowd.
Well, the Georgia Department of Public Safety, which the Georgia State Patrol is a part of, announced that week that there was going to be a massive tractor cade that was being planned for December 9th and 10th on the interstates leading into Atlanta. On the night of December the 5th, several state patrol officials met with the tractor cade organizers and the state patrol appointed Stock Coleman from Eastman to be the uh, tractor cade coordinator over the whole state. And the Department of Public Safety spokesman was Bill Wilson, and he told the media the concerns that the State Patrol had. This is the biggest traffic control problem the State Patrol has ever faced. Motorists must realize we're dealing with a unique situation and be prepared to sustain some delays. And he was being very optimistic about the delay part. He recommended that people avoid the interstates and avoid the city of Atlanta while the tractor cade was going on. And so, why don't you try to avoid the interstate, you know, if you needed to, and try to avoid Atlanta if you got to go to Atlanta. Well, since the top speed of a piece of farm equipment was somewhere between 15 and 18 miles an hour, and at the time the minimum speed on the interstate was 40 miles an hour, there was a huge problem that was coming up. And they really didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know how they were going to handle it. They just kind of figured that they were... Uh, gonna let this thing play itself out the tractors were going to be in the right hand lane completely a lot of people were suggesting well you know the tractors why don't we put them in the left hand lane because they're not going to get off they're going to stay right where they're at but you you know you got to remember you stay in the right hand lane all the time that's going to be the farthest lane it's always going to be right there at the exit right there at the shoulder or what have you if you say the left hand lane you're liable to be the second lane the third lane the fourth lane the seventh lane or whatever when you get to add lanes it was going to become a problem and somebody was probably going to miscount and if they were to merge over into another lane and a car came up and they were trying to switch lanes at 15 miles an hour and a car going 72 or three or four or five miles an hour somebody was going to get killed so they figured out that just leave the tractors in the right hand lane if if a car or truck transfer truck needed to get off you know they could pretty much figure it out and the tractors would work with them to get them over so they could get out of the way the tractors were there as a demonstration so everybody would see them, but they weren't there to absolutely paralyze the interstate and terrorize motorists and things like that. This was a demonstration. We're here, we got a problem, and we need some help from the government. They weren't there to shut down the interstate. 
So the state patrol really didn't have a, a plan in place for how the cars and trucks were going to be able to merge on and off with the tractors in the right-hand lane. So what they just said was, we're just going to have to play it by ear. And the state patrol reported that they were committing 200 state patrolmen to assist the farmers. And there was a new motorcycle brigade uh, squad, whatever you want to call it. There was about uh, somewhere between 5 and 10 of them. And so they were going to use these new uh, state patrol motorcycles to assist the tractor cade. During the meeting, Stock Coleman told the farmers that, you know, we've got these state patrol motorcycles. They got windshields, they got goggles on, they got helmets on. But, um, you know, if you're using tobacco and you got an open station tractor, a tractor without a cab on it, you know, spit over on your right side instead of on the left to keep from blinding the uh the state patrolman and i really don't know if he was being serious or not so on the seventh tommy carter and three other farmers met with the governor george busby uh george busby was from viana if you go to viana in the middle of town, or right before you get to the middle of town, there's George Busby Park, public park named after him. He was born and raised in Vianna, which happens to be Dooley County, the same county that the Kerseys and, and the Richardsons were farming in and all a lot of the other farmers. He went to law school. I think he went to the University of Georgia, got a law degree, went down to the big town in South Georgia, Albany, and started practicing law. And one thing led to another, and he worked his way through the legislature and was elected governor. And he did a lot of big things when he was governor. One of the things that he did was he worked with the state patrol and Hal Needham and all of them to get Smoke into Bandit filmed, and another thing was he had he was governor when Georgia on my mind was adopted as a Georgia state song. But uh, other than that, he was also governor during the Tractorcade. So Tommy Carter promised that the Tractorcade would not cause difficulties for the public. He also told the f governor that. The farmers weren't trying to embarrass anybody, and the governor was included in that. Well, the governor told uh, Carter and all the other farmers that he knew enough about the situation, the financial situation that they were in, to paint a pretty bleak picture. And he told Mr. Carter and them that his staff was working to open more markets overseas for the farmers. And he also realized that the aid package that had been approved during the summer to help with the drought just wasn't going to cut it. But that evening, there was about 250 farmers that went and met up in Jefferson in Jackson County. And they finalized their plans 
for the North Georgia leg of the tractor cade. And so they, what they planned on doing was meeting up in commerce on 85 at 7 o'clock on Friday morning and drive down I-85 to a rally point. And the rally point was a motel right below the DeKalb County line, which was seven hours south. And if you think about seven hours south on a tractor, that gives you about 110 miles. And so you could make it from Commerce to Decatur in, what, an hour and a half. And then they're talking about doing it in seven hours. They was going to spend the night at the hotel, I'm assuming the same hotel, and then matriculate into the protest at the Capitol on Saturday morning. So the boys from the south were coming in on 75, and then they'd be coming in on 85, which merges right there north of town and then comes on in where the uh, Fulton County Stadium and everything is. Well, Thursday morning, which is December the 8th, the tractorcade started at the Georgia-Florida state line at exactly 7.02 a.m. And the lead driver that was going to lead everybody up the interstate was Leighton Kersey, which is Tommy Kersey's brother. And he was driving a huge International Harvester 4568. It's got uh, eight tires on it, all you know identical same size this is what you call a four-wheel drive tractor when you say articulating it breaks in the middle it steers using hydraulics actuators and the front drive and the rear drive are about the same size these are huge tractors you don't use them to bale hay with you use them to plow with well on the front of this tractor there was a four by eight metal sign or, or wood sign it was red and white and it had big letters that said tractorcade this tractor sponsored by international and he had an american flag on a pole on the left hand side and a christian flag on the right and his brother tommy asked him to drive straight up i-75 towards atlanta for three days and collect everybody along the way in orderly fashion. And what they did was, when Leighton would come through, there would be tractors sitting on the on-ramp. And once Leighton and them came by, if there was two tractors in line, the next tractor would get behind that tractor, and then they would get regulated with their speed, and they'd come on it just be like a big old long chain and so nobody would get ahead of the lead tractor everybody would fall in behind him well right behind Leighton there was a the the identical or the opposite whatever you want to call it of his tractor which would have been an 8430 John Deere it was an articulating what you call a four-wheel drive tractor it had you know eight wheels on it i don't know who was driving it um 
but it had on the front of it it had a four by eight sign green and yellow writing on it said tractor k this tractor sponsored by john deere well he was flying an american flag on the left side and the old georgia flag which was the georgia flag on the right side and there was about two dozen tractors that got that arrived in Valdosta at eight o'clock. So it took them an hour to get from the Georgia state line to Valdosta, which is which sounds ridiculous because I think Valdosta's first exit is mile marker thirteen or something like that. They were expected to be in Tifton at ten o'clock. But they didn't get there until after after 12, somewhere after 12 o'clock. So they were delayed by a couple of hours. Uh, there ain't a record of what happened there. So, But when they did get there, they picked up farmers on the own ramp from Albany, Moultrie, all the farming area down there around them. And then they moved on, and an hour later... They got to Ashburn, and they picked up the farmers. You got uh, 107 and 112 running through Ashburn. You also had 41 going through Ashburn, and you could pick up folks from Fitzgerald, Sylvester, Osceola, and that part of the world. And when they got to Araby, there was a reporter and he was on the overpass with a pencil and he counted 225 tractors going north on the interstate and there was a group from Cordell that had been waiting at the fairgrounds south of town and they were right there off of 41 and so they had to take 41 to the red light, hang a right on the 280, and then get on the interstate right there where the uh, missile, the Titan missile, is sitting there, right there at the uh, the Highway 280 exit. And just before five o'clock, the state patrol estimated that there were 700 tractors that arrived in Unadilla. And uh, Unadilla is about 25 miles north of uh, Cordell. And so they had a, a layover. There's a lot of farmland that was up there, a lot of open spaces in Unadilla, several hotels, motels at the time over there. And so everybody stopped and camped, and some of them stayed at the hotel, and a lot of them got refueled. And when I started this project, one of the first people that I talked to was Ellis Black. He was a, a state senator from Lowndes County. And he told me about starting toward Atlanta on the interstate. He started out twice to go to the rally. He said, I had started out going to drive a tractor, but I had an old barehanded tractor meaning it was cabless, and it got cold, and I decided not to leave Lowndes County on that tractor. So I turned around, 
took my tractor back home and got in the pickup with two other old rednecks and we drove up there in the pickup and it was in the early part of december because we were up there on a friday that day we went over to athens and watched valdosta play in the championship football game at sanford stadium and the tractor cades were escorted at the front by a state patrol trooper in a car and then the motorcycles would uh, escort them along they would be in the left-hand lane and checking up on everybody making sure that everybody was still riding along uh, keeping pace and at the rear of the line the last tractor right behind it there was a georgia department of transportation a dot vehicle probably a a dump truck or something similar to that with an amber caution light on it marking the uh the back of the line so he's running at 15 miles an hour with a caution light on the back of the truck to keep cars from running into the last tractor and everybody uh, ahead of him and late thursday afternoon governor busby held a press conference on capitol hill and he declared saturday december the 10th to be farmer appreciation day in georgia and he handed the proclamation to tommy kersey and asked him to share it with the farmers that came to the capitol rally on saturday because he wasn't planning on being there well friday morning came and everybody that was in unadilla they woke up and they cranked the tractors up and at seven o'clock they took off toward macon and there was a group coming from the from the east on i-16 and they were all going to meet at the interchange in macon right there where the oak muggy river runs through town and right above unadilla when they got to the henderson exit there was a 3020 john deere a farmer was driving and he had a special jump seat that he had added to the back of the tractor that was attached to the three-point hitch on the back so that his wife could ride along and his wife just happened to be the sister of the president of the united states this was uh, gloria carter span and her husband walter was driving and the line on 16 when they got to to making well when they left savannah there were two tractors in line on thursday and um, so when they got to to uh dublin on thursday evening there was 44 tractors and they were from dublin statesboro sylvania alma allentown places like that and the farmers from the south uh, of town spent the night along the interstate and then you had tractors that uh, 
came in from Lawrence County and around there that picked them up when they left at 7 o'clock that morning. And when they got to the Dudley exit, it was 8 o'clock, and then they made it to the Allentown exit at 9. And when they got to the Twiggs County line, there was a group from Cochrane that came down the, the uh, ramp from Georgia Highway 26, and there sat the Twiggs County Sheriff Earl Hamrick, the living legend. And he got in line and escorted his uh, farmers all the way to the Bibb County line. And when he got to the Bibb County line, he radioed back to the Sheriff's Department in Jeffersonville and he told them to send him the newest car in the fleet because he was going to escort his farmers all the way to Atlanta and back. And so he sat there at the county line and a deputy came up and swapped cars with him. In the line coming off of uh, either 26 or Highway 112, I don't know which one exactly, Blakely County Sheriff Ed Coley escorted his group too and he recalled a conversation between Earl Hamrick and another sheriff on the radio somewhere between Macon and Atlanta. Earl Hamrick is dead and gone. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you the sheriff he was talking to on the radio. But we stopped this side of Atlanta uh... I can't even tell you the name, but it was on this side, we was on I-75, going to Atlanta. And some sheriff <clears throat> come on the radio talking to uh, Earl Hammer, he was the sheriff in Torres County. And he asked Earl what he thought about it. And he asked Earl, what did y'all average per acre of corn? Earl told him, he said, <clears throat> it was a slim crop. We only made 20 gallons to the acre. <laughs> when the two southern groups of tractors arrived in Macon, the group from the Florida line on 75 went straight on, and then the group on I-16 followed in at the end of that line and continued on towards Atlanta. And when Leighton Kersey arrived in Forsyth, the very last tractors from I-16 were pulling on to I-75. And that was a distance of 25 miles of solid tractors, trucks, station wagons, police cars, campers, you name it, there it was. Thomas Carter remembers an incident between a farmer and some of the patrolmen somewhere between Macon and Atlanta. I don't know if you've heard the story of... There was a farmer from here from Alma. He, he got beat really bad by some troopers on the side of the highway. And I, I was a witness to that, too. And he got accused of blocking a bridge, but he didn't do it. He was... Another man had, had blocked a bridge with an 8630 four-wheel drive. Uh, John Deere. 
and he had it on his blue boy, and he had parked that thing on a bridge somehow. But anyway, they, they thought Larry was part of that. But his wife come up to try to intercede. There was four, five, or six troopers had him surrounded there on the side of the highway, right in the grass off the highway. And um, I think she was coming up in there best if I can remember to try to um, try to encourage them that he, you know, they had the wrong man. And they, it was kind of heated, I think. And um, one of the troopers turned around and pushed her with his hand, and she fell down in that ditch. And uh, when he did that, Larry... Larry turned around and he hit him, and I mean, I don't know if he knocked him unconscious or what, but the boy, the man went down, and when he did, they pulled their, they pulled their billy clubs out and they beat him to a pulp. Yeah. And I can remember being scared to death. Uh, I thought they was going to beat him to death. The legend of Larry Connor is a wild one. He was in the tractorcade that day in December, but he was driving his family up in a green station wagon following his father-in-law who was driving a 135 Massey Ferguson. When the group arrived at the bridge that had been blocked, Connor was blamed for cursing the state patrol over the CB radio. The problem with that is his antenna had been broken at the last stop they made to get fuel. When his wife was handled roughly by the lawmen, Larry jumped in to defend her honor. The battle royal was playing out in the middle of the road, on the side of the road, under the low boy, all over the place, until one of the two sheriffs that was following the line got involved and intervened. I don't know if it was Earl Hamrick or Ed Coley, but whoever it was, the situation dissolved immediately. And that's a good thing, because as soon as the tractors started back up the road, there was John L. Boatwright charging down the shoulder of the road toward the melee with a tire tool in his hand. The tractors were decorated with American, Georgia, Christian, and Confederate flags. And most of the tractors had bumper stickers on them about the farm strike. There was a lot of tractors that had the, there were red and, and yellow uh, big bumper stickers. It wouldn't have been like a regular size bumper sticker that you see nowadays. It was a pretty good size. It was about twice as big. And it said, we support agriculture strike and they had them on every tractor on the hood of them i don't know what they were made out of i don't know what happened to them i've i have looked i've never found one that has survived and i haven't ever seen one on a tractor that went to atlanta or anywhere else i've never seen an a we support agriculture strike bumper sticker on any tractors on the hood or or anywhere like that but there was a lot of different colorful sayings on a lot of the tractors some of them they said you know try eating your money big shot or if the good lord had intended for farmers to be broke he wouldn't have made overalls with pockets 
And then there was one of them that said, Now a land of plenty, soon a land without any. And then there was a lot of colorful, earthy messages for the president and for the USDA secretary and a, a really popular saying that was around back in them days was crime don't pay but neither does farming and so you you would see that in a lot of different variations throughout and a lot of the farmers took chalk and wrote on the um on the sheet metal of the tractors the cabs and whatnot and on the rubber tires other tractors the name of the farm and uh the county that they were from and so you would see tractors with uh with the county on the on them from you know miller crisp colquitt dooley you had 18 438 rear tractor tires and that was a a plenty of space to write something on and so they would also put the name of the farm on their tractor and and uh some of the farmers that went to atlanta had never been to atlanta before and a lot of them wasn't planning on ever going back ever again There were farms that sent workers and relatives up the road on every piece of equipment that they had that was roadworthy. If that thing would crank, they sent them. Uh, the problem was it was going to get cold. There was a cold front coming in, so a lot of them didn't know to drain the tires, so they had a problem that was going to show up when they got to their next stop the next day. But the farms, a lot of them sent one tractor, but a lot of farms sent 10 or 12. And if you've ever been to Atlanta, it's really good to drive the smallest thing you got when you go to the, the capital because there's a whole lot of people in a very small space. But a lot of the farmers really didn't think like that because they wanted to make the biggest impression that they could, so they sent the biggest tractor they had. I had, Daddy would tell me that there were tractors with six or eight tires on them, and I was like, Lord have mercy, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. But they would send the biggest stuff that they had. They would send the stuff with the cabs on them, with the air conditions. They had the, the stuff that didn't have no cabs on it, and they put the sons-in-law on there. And then, you know, they would, some folks would drive in shifts. And some farmers took everything and everybody that they had. I talked to Terrell Hudson. He was from over in Dooley County. Well, he drove a cab tractor to Atlanta, and he was holding one of his youngins in the tractor with him while his wife miss alice was right behind him in another cab tractor with the other daughter in the other cab with her so the whole family drove to atlanta and along the route david west he was on a school field trip 
and and uh, somewhere along the route, and he wasn't able to go with with his brother Pat, and he wanted to real bad, and they were staying at the Howard Johnson, I think, right there at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Well, when he saw Pat come by on his 44:30, David jumped under the fence and run down there to where Pat was at, and Pat opened the the door to the tractor and away they went and they rode uh, throughout the rest of the protest this was before cell phones so I have no idea what the teachers thought I can only imagine but Dr. David West grew up and now he's an ag teacher over in Dooley County <laughs>